0: Good morning. I'm so glad to be with you all this morning. I was just reflecting on uh, 2009. I was sitting where you are. I came here just as a student, a seminary student, uh, very impacted by what God wanted to do in my life. And most important, I was burdened about uh, being able to come to a place that would just nurture my faith in God. And that story actually begins 15 years earlier. And uh, men, maybe in the back, you can help me get the PowerPoint ready, Um, but I, 15 years earlier, I uh, was uh, at a crisis in my life and anticipating what the Lord wanted to do. I surrendered my life to the ministry when I was 10 years old. I'll talk more about that later in the week, but uh, as I was anticipating in my early 20s just what God wanted to do, I remember unmistakably um, being directed by the Spirit of God to walk into the International Center for Biblical Counseling. And uh, I was not going there for help, but actually to anticipate being able to learn how to help other people. I will say, when I walked in, uh, just to see, seek out the opportunity for a summer um, uh, opportunity to serve just administratively, I was hoping that that would just be a little uh, short window of a few months and on my way to other things. And uh, God used that uh, summer opportunity to turn into a three-year experience that helped me to realize something that I've never forgotten and actually set me on a journey that I still find myself today, and that is the importance of knowing what it is to walk with power, power with God, and power with men. I realized that day in my own walk how much I needed Jesus and how much in my own personal walk I was desperate to be able to know freedom from torment in my own soul. I thought I was there to learn how to help other people come free, And I realized the biggest one God wanted to help was actually me. Well, after three years, that ministry wanted to send me on to a secular university to do a master's program. And I was thinking to myself, if I am going to pursue helping people, I would rather go to a place like Falls Baptist Church that can nurture my faith and help me to understand from a theological perspective the life of Christ in me. I remember making that distinct decision, walking away from that ministry to come here. That was in 2009, and I am forever indebted to Falls Baptist Church Baptist College of Ministry for the impact it's had in my life, and uh, I am just grateful to be here today to just be able to invest in all of you. Um, I may just need some help, men, but how can I be able to see these slides uh, ahead? Um, Maybe someone can just help me. I was able to see that earlier, and I can't. That'll help me um, here, maybe one of you men can help me. As we uh, begin this morning, I just want to consider the subject of power with God and power with men, and uh, several things are just on my mind that I think can just uh, help us forward, and uh, we're going to step through several thoughts this morning as we uh, consider, I want to just uh, open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 32, Genesis chapter 32, we'll take this up in our next session But I want to cast a vision for where we're going in these next several sessions. And in Genesis chapter 32, it gives us these amazing words in the life of uh, Jacob. Genesis chapter 32, I want to just begin reading in verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him... He touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God, and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose after him, and he halted upon his thigh Therefore, the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. I want to just take up as our theme this text that shows up in verse 28. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this morning. And, Fathers, we anticipate the world that you've ordained us to be a, uh, an influence in. Father, I pray that you would uh, take these next several minutes and the next several sessions that we get to spend together to discover the most important thing that guarantees influence in the lives of men, and that's discovering power with you. Father, we commit this time to you. Make us different people because of the word today. In your precious name, amen. As we consider this story in Genesis, I am reminded of the fact that this story has a backdrop of a great crisis in Jacob's life. And uh, that crisis had to be, had, happens to be the anticipation of Esau coming to meet him with 400 men. And I just want to be reminded again, myself and then all of us this morning, it's amazing how God often uses crises in our lives, uh, crises that are personal. Perhaps crises that are political, perhaps crises that have to do with family, perhaps crises that have to do with your future. God uses crises in our lives to lead us on a pathway to discover power with God and power with men. I want to just scope out where we're going this week. I think that'll help us all anticipate how today fits into where we're going, and I want to just capture these thoughts Here uh, this morning, I want to first look this morning at the fact that we are living in a world in crisis. Uh, Then we'll look at how to prevail in prayer. Uh, This text that we've just read in Genesis chapter 32 gives us some profound help in understanding what it takes to discover God in your devotions. And then I want to take tomorrow to talk about being holy, holy, power through purity. It is amazing that as we walk through Scripture, one of the most significant prerequisites to power with God and power with men happens to be the issue of integrity. We see that in the life of David. We see that in the life of Daniel. We see that in the life of Joseph. We see that in the life of the Apostle Paul. And it's not just a matter of being able to understand how to make our vessel, our defiled vessel, clean how to not make provision for the flesh so that we can be a channel for the Spirit of God, have an influence in the lives of people that's not marked by power of men, but it's power with God, so that we can have power with men. I want to then look the last day on the measure of full surrender. There's no mistake about it that as we anticipate a life marked by power with God and power with men, it requires the importance of having a life marked by absolute surrender. But I've been surprised to discover in my life, as I can point back to early days where I, to the best of my ability, surrendered everything that I knew I had to God. And then I've been challenged through many crises along my life to discover new dimensions of surrender that are absolutely prerequisite to power with God and power with man. We want to talk about surrender. I want to give a... Perspective on that subject that I think can be extremely helpful in your journey forward and then I want to talk finally on Rebuilding wounded faith It's incredible to see and catch a vision especially after these early sessions of what God wants to do in your day and in your life It's interesting that as we look across uh, the pages of history just taking our Bible to start that God picked Elijah for the day that he lived. He didn't put Elijah in Noah's day, and he didn't put uh, Samuel in uh, John the Baptist's day. It's interesting that all of those men's stories uh, would never have been the same if they had been put in a different era. And I just want to be reminded and want to encourage you with the fact that God has chosen you for 2021. And he picked you for this year and picked your lifetime for this era Before Genesis 1 1 I remember being in Romania serving there for several months and I was opening my Bible reading one Sunday morning uh, from Ephesians chapter 1 where it says according as he chose you before the foundation of the world that you should be holy and without blame before him in love that's the beginning of a chapter of incredible things that God has chosen as special blessings birthday gifts for the life of the believer and as that chapter continues to develop, Paul says, Oh, that you would know the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. And I'm just so grateful for the fact that as we consider what God wants to do in our lives, is an encouragement to realize that God's chosen you for this hour. But I just want to be reminded as we consider that last subject that sometimes in the course of our lives, God works in ways you did not expect. It's amazing in my own life how I've seen God take me down roads that I definitely never expected. How he's allowed circumstances that absolutely um, began to shatter my faith. And I promise that uh, the enemy has one commitment in the best of our lives, and that is to bring us to the place that we will curse God and die. And I want to just encourage us with some helpful truths that as we anticipate what God wants to do through your life today, and the faith that he's nurturing in your life today will be a faith that gives you power with God and power with men, even if the pathway to power involves suffering. And we'll look at that as we anticipate our time together. This morning, I want to specifically pick up the theme, Commission for Influence. We do live in a world of crises, and I would like to just capture a few uh, crises that actually show up in the Bible, and I want you to see if you can anticipate, be able to identify whose life these uh, storylines relate to. Maybe you can identify with this. Imagine being informed that a family member who's quietly held on to deep resentment from the distant past has bent the ear of all his friends. And is planning to gang up against you to cause havoc, with an opportunity with no opportunity for discussion or resolution. Well, Jacob definitely comes to my mind. We just read that, but that is definitely a crisis that demands some answers. Here's another one. Imagine being notified of a severe seven-year food shortage that would be nationwide that is due to hit shortly and can't be avoided. Is there anyone's name coming to your mind? Joseph. Stands in my mind as someone God uh, called for that hour in a dark moment in Egypt's history. Imagine a death warrant being issued on your life without warning because the presiding national leader is overwhelmed with a hopelessness by a personal crisis and he chooses to take out his anxiety and his frustration by ordering your death. You remember that story from Daniel chapter 2? Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and his mind is so troubled, he's so anxious, he's so beside himself, that he calls all his wise men in, and he's concerned that they not just uh, tell him what he wants to hear, he wants them to prove to him that they have divine power, and he tells them, I'm not telling you what I dreamed, I need you to tell me what I dreamed, and after you tell me what I dreamed, I need you to tell me what it means. And if you can't do it, you're going to lose your head. Imagine that incredible moment, and Daniel didn't happen to be in the room when um, those first men were called into the palace for this assignment. But because the men who were there in the palace at the time the assignment was given, because they could not provide an answer, uh, Nebuchadnezzar orders a death warrant on all of his wise men. And so the first thing Daniel hears of it is when the executioner is actually standing at his doorstep. Imagine opening your door to that kind of surprise. And we find in Daniel chapter 2 that Daniel's response is absolutely remarkable. We find there as Daniel speaks to that man, if you will just give me time, I will seek the God of heaven, and I'll come to the king with an answer. And Daniel 2.22 stands out to me as one of the most amazing verses, one of the most amazing prayers you and I can pray in the Bible. It says this, He knoweth the deep and secret things. He dwelleth in the light, and there is no darkness with him. And as Daniel comes to God and prays, he has no answers himself. But as he comes to God, God gives him incredible insight and direction. Not only in that occasion, but many others, this young man influences the lives of four heathen kings. Three of which, I think there may be good reason to believe we may see them in heaven. It's incredible how God uses crises to bring us to the hour of our most important influence. Here's another. Imagine this. Imagine experiencing the physical challenges of an unavoidable, unresolvable handicap, shattering your dreams for your future and seeming to threaten your potential for ministry. Maybe you're sitting in the pew here this morning and you would say, well, I don't identify with that one, Uh, but maybe there's someone you know that can. Perhaps in the course of all of our lives, we'll find ourselves in a place where circumstances in God's providence happen out for us that are different than we expected. And I know this has become very important to me um, because exactly two years ago this week, I had 500 pounds of steel fall off of an industrial shelf from about 12 feet above me. And knocked me unconscious, severely lacerated my head and legs and and, uh, my neck and damaged my spine. And I uh, was in ICU this week, two years ago, and I can't thank God enough for mercy in our lives. But I want to just say this, the thing that God continues to remind me of in the context of crises is the fact that there's some places we can only know God. As we encounter circumstances, we never would have chosen ourselves. Imagine this reality being true for you. Perhaps it doesn't look like something, something quite so serious. I'm thinking of the Apostle Paul who said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Lord, I have this thorn in the flesh, and if somehow you could just take it from me, imagine how much greater I could serve you with my life. Whatever that thorn was, I'm so glad it wasn't mentioned in the text because it helps us to recognize that our name can fit into the same text. And whatever the enemy wants to use in our lives to buffet us and to throw into our face, that somehow we can never have influence with God, influence with men. The Spirit of God wants to use this same set of circumstances to help us to discover that in our weakness... We discover his strength. And then I want to just point us to one other crisis. I want you to imagine this one. Imagine local government is so enraged at the effectiveness of your local church's gospel influence on your community. That they arrest your pastor and order the shutdown of your ministry. That's essentially what we read in Acts chapter 4. As the apostles are preaching with incredible power and the city is being turned to the Savior. Thousands have come to Christ. And the same men that happened to be on the panel in the trial of Jesus are now calling these apostles before them. And commanding them never to preach again in the name of Jesus. They've threatened them, they've beaten them, and they send them back on their way, fully convinced that these men hopefully have gotten the message. And it's in that hour we find Peter's incredible words, along with the other apostles who pray, Lord, grant unto thy servants that somehow you would change our authorities. Is that what we find in that text? The prayer they prayed is, Lord, would you grant unto thy servants that with all boldness, we may preach thy word. Father, we're asking for this, that you would not change any of our circumstances. We're just asking that you would give us power in those circumstances. I've been amazed in my own life how much I encounter crises, and I'm always feeling like my greatest need is to come to God and ask him to change those crises. And what I'm Coming to discover is that crises are impossible circumstances for unparalleled influence. Never forget that. I'm convinced that it's the spirit of God that is orchestrating crises in all of our lives because God understands that impossible circumstances are the place of unparalleled influence. As we look at the apostles and many of these other individuals, we've just kind of captured some of their stories, I'm just uh, amazed to discover the reality that God is not on a mission to somehow change our circumstances. But God wants to do an even greater miracle, it would be an awesome miracle to see God change these crises, but the even greater miracle that God wants to do is give you power with God, power with men within the crisis i want to illustrate that here as we continue to go forward you and i do absolutely live in a world that is in crisis and i want to just develop what this looks like we have a lot of believers who individually personally know they're saved but truth be known they feel tormented Their life is marked by doubts of salvation, anxiety, selfishness, pornography, suicidal thoughts, plaguing OCD, anger, perfectionism, depression, paranoia, negativism. And we could add so many other things to this list. You know, each of us could draw our own picture on our notepad in front of us, and it would look a little bit different, but I promise you, all of us have crises in our lives that look like a need for power with God over sin. I, as all of us are here at Baptist College of Ministry, I'm encouraged with the fact that we've got 100 plus young people that are here on purpose to train to be able to disciple others that find themselves in this picture. There is an incredible need. It's like a tsunami wave of crises right within our local churches of individuals with this very need. And I'm so grateful that the individual God wants to use to make a difference in discipleship and their lives is actually you. You know, it's not just individuals that are in crisis, but we are finding today homes in crisis. While wow, homes, even the best of homes, being split apart with uh, issues of runaway youth, passive leadership, hypocrisy, all kinds of abuse, uh, lack of loyalty in marriage, social addictions, uh, social media addictions, parental neglect. children that are walking away from God that grew up in a good church and grew up in a good home as we would see it from the outside. Underneath such seeds of rebellion and bitterness, guilt, Uh, wounded faith, and so many other things. And as we consider what God wants to do in our world today, the thing God used those few years at the International Center for Biblical Counseling to arrest my attention about was the fact that God is not just about me being able to reach a lost world uh, out there, but God wants to give us power with God and power with those within your own home. It's a real blessing to see that God wants to meet this crisis, and he wants to use you. We also see that there's a crisis that is on the church front. Uh, We find it illustrated this way, an incredible surrender to compromise. I am just unbelievably appalled as I look at what fundamentalism now looks like just 20 years later. From what I remember it in 2000, I am shocked to see these days and remember what I remember in the early 1980s. It's just unbelievable to see churches that had a profound influence in my life that today are churches I would not be comfortable attending. It's interesting that we see such a loss of vision for our existence. We don't know our way. We don't know where we're going. Uh, We have such shattered integrity among leaders. Most of the counseling or a huge percentage of the counseling I do actually happens to be with church leaders. Um, It has been overwhelming to me to just realize how many pastors and how many deacons and how many missionaries stand in incredible need. And I shouldn't be amazed because the fact is all of us do. But the enemy definitely has you on his target. If you are on a mission of being able to have a life dedicated to reaching the lives of others, we can never underestimate that reality. We're definitely living in a day where the church is in crisis, and God wants to use you to have influence with God and with men through the local church. We have just an incredible exodus of of pastors from the ministry just in the last few weeks. I've had pastors contact me seriously contemplating just walking off from ministry because of all the dynamics of COVID and other personal crises in their lives, just discouragement. And, and uh, I just as punctuating for me the reality that the enemy is definitely seeking to maximize crises to gain his agenda. We live in a world that's in crisis. Global pandemic, or so it's made out to be, A world that's in fear of death. Isn't that ever so true today? Corruption of government, a rising global antagonism against God. On every front, we find a world that's in need of answers. We have a world that is in need of help. And I do believe God is actually working this crisis to help the world to be willing to reach out and be willing to hear those who have power with God and power with men. You know, it's interesting that Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar and um, Cyrus and Darius were never the kinds of men, at least when we first meet them in the pages of Scripture, as being necessarily known for their spirituality or being known for their love for God. But it's amazing how God used crises to give those men a willingness to hear a man who had power with God, power with men. I think about Pharaoh, a man who definitely had no regard for God at all. But as he encountered that dream regarding a coming famine, all of a sudden he's looking for someone who has the spirit of God upon him. That can not only speak to the issue of the dream, but also be able to uh, lead and administrate uh, the answer to that crisis. A life without power looks like religion without relationship. It looks like prayers without answers. It looks like discipline without change. It looks like ministry without influence. And as I contemplate this in my own life, I've just been amazed to consider the fact of how content I can be as a Christian to be devoted to church attendance without relationship with God. I can be devoted to devotions without ever meeting God. I can be devoted to a disciplined life without ever having real substantive heart change. I can be committed to service. I can be very busy with service. But then to count whose lives are forever and eternally impacted because of that ministry, at points, I found in my life I could have cared less. And I do believe God wants to bring us to a place where we're not just a warm body in uh, the ministry of God's service, doing work for God, all the while we lack influence with God. Because if we lack influence with God we will unfortunately lack influence with men. There's a lot of things we can turn to as a substitute for power. Sometimes you and I do encounter the reality that our lives are really very powerless. And in trying to help to meet that need, though we may not have framed our need up quite that way, we can start to believe that somehow it takes charisma to have influence with men. Somehow it takes compromise to have influence with men. Somehow it takes more connections to have influence with men. Or that somehow it takes convincing apologetics to have influence with men. And I just want to say certainly some of these have uh, their relevance in our lives, but I just want to say that power with God and power with men never comes at the expense of uh, your walk with God. There's no substitute for your personal walk with him. I want to capture these thoughts this way. A life without power is a life of perpetual struggle. A life without power is a life that's all outward show. It's a life of inward emptiness. And the ultimate is it's a life Of eternal loss. Several years ago uh, I was moved by my own uh, experience coming through the International Center for Biblical Counseling as primarily God just using his word to change my life. Um, I was 25 at the time and for about 10 to 15 years my life had been marked by great torment. Um, I knew the Lord as my Savior and was definitely dedicated to service for Him, but was definitely uh, struggling with a lot of issues in my life, just lacking traction and being able to walk forward with Him. And I remember uh, just uh, coming to the place of recognizing uh, that I needed uh, power with God. I wanted power with men. And in that place, um, God used Uh, these truths that we're walking through today to just help me but I remember uh, then in 2014 I was just anticipating the fact that uh, God wanted as he was bringing freedom in my own life to turn around and invest in the lives of others and uh, I remember thinking to myself Lord how would we have us to do that and what would you have us uh, to call a ministry dedicated to that uh, end and God just arrested my attention. I remember Sunday afternoon just pouring my heart out to God and seeking Him for direction. And I remember there 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, Our lives are going to be tried by fire. It's the most important appointment of our lives. It's already on heaven's calendar as we anticipate that day. 1 John chapter 2 encourages us to come to that day without shame before Him in love. And that's an incredible opportunity that you and I have. And I remember 1 Corinthians chapter 3 just being struck with the fact that as our lives are tried by fire, the Bible says it'll either show up as wood, hay, stubble, or gold, silver, and precious stones. And just as much as the only life God accepts for salvation is the life of Jesus in you, Right? The only life Jesus accepts that God the Father will accept, they're the judgment seat of Christ, is this same answer, Christ in you. And it's just been helpful for me to realize that as we anticipate to the most important appointment of our lives, God's commission for us is to live a life that's marked by precious stones, gold, silver, influence with God, influence with men. I love these words taken from Isaiah chapter 64, where uh, Isaiah is saying, Oh, Lord, that you would rend the heavens and that you would come down. We've seen that song. and I love that text. But later in that same uh, chapter of Isaiah, we find this amazing statement. There is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of you. And I just want to encourage us with the fact that as we've come to dedicate the next semester of our lives to train for ministry, that we won't just train for ministry academically, but that we will come to this semester anticipating the fact that God is looking for individuals that will stir themselves up to take hold of Him. God wants to use you. He wants to use you and our world in an amazing way. He wants to give you power with Him. And He wants that power to look like these several things. I just want to step through these quickly. He wants to give you power with God that looks like an incredible hatred for sin. I love Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. It says that the fear of the Lord is not to just know what's right and to avoid what's wrong. But the fear of the Lord is to hate what's evil. And so as we anticipate power with God, as we pursue power with God power with God looks like having his hatred for sin. It's also having incredible effectiveness in prayer, just like Elijah. The Bible says he went to pray, put his face between his knees as he went to pray for rain. Heaven uh, had been cloudless for three years. The sky was brazen. And as Elijah goes to pray, he prays, the Bible says, seven times, Lord, give us rain. God answered that prayer, and that's given to us in James chapter 5 to punctuate this statement, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man wields power. God wants to give you power with him that looks like influence in your service. God wants to give you power with him that looks like convincement in your witness, where we can not just be so faithful to give the gospel, but we can give the gospel in the way that connects with the souls of men, and we see them respond. Wow, it's an amazing thing. You have experienced this, but it's an incredible thing to do ministry where you're walking in such an awareness of the power of God that as you're talking with people, it is an unmistakable divine appointment in their lives. God wants to give you power with God that looks like effectiveness in resolving conflicts. I wish I could say we rise to the occasion where our lives are never marked by conflict. But I'm coming to realize that the reality of life, this side of heaven, is a life that's often marked by conflicts. Hopefully those conflicts aren't caused by us. <laughs> as God changes us, as God's able to do amazing things. But, incredible, but the incredible reality is You and I do live in a world full of sinners. There's always conflicts all around us, even when there are um, uh, no negative intentions about those. And God wants to give you power with Him, a power with Him that looks like an effectiveness in embracing conflicts, an effectiveness in resolving conflicts. And finally, God wants to give you a power with Him that looks like ministering hope to tormented souls. I'd like to just... uh, point us to this particular text, Matthew chapter 17, verse 21. The disciples uh, had been given incredible power by the Lord Jesus Christ to be able to go out and be able to touch the sick and uh, see them healed, be able to touch the oppressed and see them restored. And a father brought his son to the disciples who was very much vexed and tormented of the devil. And the disciples tried to see that man free and were very disappointed when somehow their efforts were useless. And the father finally brings his son to Jesus and says, can you somehow help him? Your disciples weren't able to. And in in, uh, Matthew chapter 17, verse 21, the disciples actually come to Jesus and have the courage to ask him, why was it? that we weren't able to help this man's son. And I like, I think I've uh, actually uh, given the wrong text, but uh, you know the story. Jesus says, it's because of your unbelief. This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. I'm just so encouraged with the fact that as we anticipate a life marked by power with God, power with men, that it's not just a power that sees lost men come to Christ, but it's also being able to see tormented souls come to healing. God wants to use you to do that, and he wants to give you an incredible power with himself, power with men. Your greatest need is power with God. Your greatest need is power with men. And I want to just uh, close this morning by just giving us a few reasons why this is your greatest need. Number one, you owe it to this world. You're living in a world overwhelmed by crises. Politics will never have the answer for the crises in our world today. Um, halls of academia will never have the answers for our world today. You know, the fact is, the medical world will never have all the answers for our world today. Those who have the most opportunity for influence in our world today are those sitting right here in front of me. It's an incredible thing to realize that God has appointed the local church as the Body of believers with the most answers for a world in desperate need of help. I'm so grateful for that. And 2 Timothy, Paul reminds Timothy before he's about to be executed, Paul himself about to be executed, he says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And he's just reminding Timothy, God has ordained you for such an hour as this. Power with God is your greatest need because you've been commissioned for a task that is bigger than your abilities. I am every day of ministry reminded of the fact that God often uses ministry in our lives to actually punctuate our inadequacy. I thought I came to Bible college so that I would somehow be able to learn everything I need to know, even go through seminary so I could know everything I need to know And be able to come now into ministry with an incredible sense of ability. And I'm reminded every day of my life, especially in the last several months, that God has commissioned you and I for a task that is beyond your abilities. I am amazed that God never picked men based on their gifts. And God never picked men based on their strengths. God picked men for their weaknesses. Remember Moses standing there at a burning bush and he calls Moses to say, I want you to go lead my people out of Egypt. And Moses gives a chapter full of excuses why God, I'm not the right one. Well, the fact is he felt every bit of that inadequacy, but there was not a more perfect one to lead those Individuals out of Egypt because Moses was a man who understood his inadequacy apart from Jesus. It's amazing how God has commissioned you for a task that is beyond your abilities. Power is your greatest need because you're facing a spiritual enemy that's bigger than you. Paul reminds us there in Ephesians chapter 6, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this world. Against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. Discipleship is about imparting life. It's about imparting your life, but something beyond your life, it's about imparting the life of Jesus through you to someone else. Discipleship is about imparting a life, not imparting a religion. You need power with God to accomplish a mission that big. And then, Power is your greatest need, finally, because your best efforts will count for nothing at the judgment seat of Christ without it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I already alluded to, and I just want to remind us this morning that God has ordained you today for power with God, power with men. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the crises that you have orchestrated for our lives as the greatest gift we could ever experience, because it's the stepping stone to the biggest miracle we could ever know. Father, help us, I pray, to not just understand the incredible commission that you've placed on our lives for influence for such an hour as this, but to understand and be willing uh, to pursue God, to have that influence. We love you. Because you care. Amen.